named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add, adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Oral, and I'm joined still in sunny Australia by Sam Hunter. Sam, good morning or good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Good morning and good afternoon. Uh, I'm uh, I'm pretty well, actually. I was just we were sort of talking off air and it is uh, very sunny and very hot here. It looks like it's sunnier than it is because you can sort of see the sweat dripping off my face as I talk to you. Mate, and you're it's still sitting dark there, here. Probably inside with the heating on, still dark. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm really well. Um, what I was going to say as I sort of lost my way there was I was telling you a bit of a story about the last few days of my life off air and we thought maybe actually it could be a uh, weird and, and maybe wonderful way of uh, starting this week's episode, which is not traditionally how we would open an episode of the World Class Agency podcast, but uh, perhaps a, a relatively important message given uh, the demographic of uh, probably a few of our listener base, I reckon. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that sometimes there's more important things than, uh, than real estate. So you fire away and explain to our listeners what you were just explaining to, to me off air, if you're happy to share. And I will, uh, I will agree with you there. Sometimes there are more important things than real estate as well. And our guest has just joined, so I will do my best to wrap this up very, very quickly. Um, so I was explaining to you that uh, I was sitting on my couch on Saturday night watching uh, Netflix, and I got some chest pains uh, randomly, which as a relatively fit and healthy 34-year-old male uh had never experienced in my life before um didn't really think anything of it other than being pretty uncomfortable so i had a couple of paracetamol and, and went to sleep and uh for the next i don't know two nights tossed and turned barely got any sleep was pretty uncomfortable but really didn't have any pain after that that saturday night episode i guess but uh, on monday morning under the better advice of my lovely wife uh, i decided to go to the doctor went to the doctor explained to him what had happened. He sort of gave me this weird look like, you're probably okay, but we'll do some tests, asked me a few mm-hmm. questions along the way, answered them all pretty standard. And he ended up saying, right, well, we'll do a, an ECG just to make sure you're okay. And so this lovely nurse in this doctor's surgery that I haven't been to in like eight and a half years, and I had to lie about saying where I lived and this is my Medicare number <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully the government's not listening to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> hooked me up to these like eight little wires on my chest and my ankles and my wrists and ran an ECG, printed it off, said, take that back to your doctor. I said, cool. Walked back in to see the doctor, sat down. He sort of looks at it quite puzzled, puzzlingly with a puzzled look on his face. And he said, right, we're just going to do this again. And at that point I thought, why? And he said, well, your heart uh, rhythm and your heart rate reads normal, but this machine's telling me uh, that you're in the process of having a heart attack. Uh, at which point I was like, that's weird. And he said, well, I know you're not having a heart attack because you're sitting here talking to me and it's normal and you know, you don't have crushing chest pain, which you would if you were having a heart attack. Uh, but we're just going to run this again to see what's what. And so he did. And the result came back exactly the same. Uh, so at that point, he ushered me into like the nurse's room in the doctor's surgery and they took 
couple of little tubes of blood, sends it off to get an urgent blood test to check for an enzyme that uh, says if you've got any damage to your heart or anything like that. Very long story short, and a sort of anxious four and a half hour wait later yesterday afternoon, uh, results came back, nothing at all serious, no heart attack, thankfully. Um, but he did say it looks like my heart had been under a bit of stress, um, more so than he would expect for a 34-year-old guy that doesn't have too much going on. It's just been on a five-week holiday in the sunshine. Mm -hmm. And so the reason why, and he said, if you can, just take it easy for a couple of days, come back for another test through the week, and we'll see if what's what then. So that's what I've been doing. Um, but the reason why I thought it was important to to share this, and I've, I've said to you off air, I've sort of shared with my mates in the UK, shared it with all my mates here told my mom she freaked out um was that i am that typically sort of healthy blokey young-ish guy where you kind of ignore it take a couple of painkillers and wake up the next day and get on with your life and had i done that i probably wouldn't have slowed down the last couple of days and i probably wouldn't have known if there was anything out there that maybe needs to be addressed uh, in the short term rather than in 10 years time when it's too far gone so if you're listening to this don't ignore stuff that happens that doesn't feel right. Go and get it checked out because it's probably nothing, but maybe it's something. And yeah, as you said, quite rightly, there are a few things in life that are more important than real estate. Your health definitely is one of them. Uh, so hopefully uh, that wasn't a too weird of a way to start the episode. And uh, we can all crack on with talking about property and real estate and everything like that now. Um, and just make sure that we're keeping an eye on ourselves as we're all getting a little bit older and hopefully a little bit wiser every day. Yeah, absolutely. And I thank you for sharing that story with me and then with our with our listeners, because if it does just mean that one person who might have that little pain goes and sees a doctor to, to you know avoid something more serious, then it'll be very, very valuable. So, you know, from the listeners and, and from me as well, thanks very much for sharing, Sam. I really appreciate that because it is a really important message as far as I'm concerned. Thank you, mate. Let's um on that bombshell, let's dive in. Let's talk real estate. Let's introduce today's guests. Let's Today's guest is someone very close to my heart. He has been in real estate for over 20 years and has been a business owner and one of the most successful businesses in an international franchise group for more than 16 of them. A lot of what I might say won't do his story justice, so we're just going to make sure we ask him plenty of great questions today. Martin Millard, founder and director at Hardcourt Solutions here in Brisbane and the man who taught me pretty much everything that I repeat as my own on this show. Welcome to the World Class Agency podcast. Thank you. That, that's a... Decent rap, young Sam. I really appreciate it. I think, I think we're gonna. I think this is gonna be an entertaining one. But Martin, we always start with the same question. It's the question, uh, the name of our our podcast, and it's what does world class real estate look like to you? Oh, is this a real estate podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Sam, you told me Go it was on. how to improve your life. Um, all right, which is probably uh, a similar answer. What does world class real estate look like? Well, I. It, it, the definition of uh, world class is interesting because the success, it's either micro or macro, but it's success in your environment. So world class real estate is being able to satisfy your customer base to an extent that you are economically viable. You are working in an environment where you are an attraction business, where your margin is as such that you're living a fantastic lifestyle while people desperately want to use you to sell their homes. I think that's a, 
you know, a, an interesting look at it. It's certainly the way I would consider it. I think um, world-class real estate is reflected by how the market respects or uses you. I'm really interested in what you talked about as being the attraction agent there. Mm. Um, I just want to go a little bit deeper into what you mean by that and how you think um, at Harcourt you go about achieving that. Well, obviously, um, we're in business to make money. And the easiest way, way to make money is to work out how to do it the most cost effectively. And the most cost effective way to do business in real estate is have people wanting to use your services. So if they want to use your services, then obviously you're doing something right. Now, how we do it in my particular business is we charge the most money. So to put into, and I gather this is a predominantly uh, English um, real estate agents who are listening to this. Yeah. Well, to put into context, um, we charge three and a half percent including GST um, as our base fee, then we charge what's called a success fee above the, the client's dream price of anything up to 30%, normally somewhere between 10 and 20. Now, the reason we do that or can do that is because over an extended period of time, we've had consistent behaviour within our market. We don't put up with um, people. We have a... Uh, no dickhead policy, employment policy. If I don't like you, you don't get a job. And in fact, it goes so far, Sam may have mentioned this over the years, and if not, it's probably um, a mistake. One of the things I would do before I employed anyone, um, when I had four young children, I'd look at them and go, would I let them babysit my kids? And would I let them sell my house? And if they didn't pass that very base test, they probably weren't going to come on our journey. The other thing is we named our business solutions so we were perpetually solution focused and what we found is by having a great culture looking after our people really well not doing what was that traditional um, almost grubby antics and having extraordinary systems of consistent communication with our clients then we've been able to uh, charge what I think is a reasonable fee um, and we become more successful, we can then provide better facilities and services to our staff, and that enables us, by that, to do a better job. Good enough answer? How much of... I think that's a pretty good answer. Um, I actually was going to ask you, that was one of the first things that you said to me, was I don't employ anyone who wouldn't babysit my kids. And I actually wrote that mm -hmm. down as, if we get a bit lost in this and we both end up on tangents opposite to each other, that was going to bring us back in there, but I'm glad you mentioned that first. Um, let's talk about the people in, or, or not just the people in real estate, but let's talk about the people in your business. Like, what are the people you look for? Like, what does somebody who can babysit your kids look like? All right. Well, um, Angelina Jolie, maybe? No. Um, look, realistically, it, they, it's, it's a values-based business. So, for a start, are they nice people? You go to work, you're spending time with other human beings. Do you want to spend time with these people? Because if I want to spend time with them, you can almost guarantee my clients do. So step one, are they the type? And that goes from the receptionists who in our businesses we adore, the, the face of our business, great people, our property management business. And so maybe to give some context, we don't have a huge business, but we've got in... The, 
$35 million um, turnover business. So it's a reasonable size business, about 2,800 on the rent roll. Uh, Sam, you were in there the other day, saw the keyboard. It, it's uh, got room for 4,000. So it's a business of about 100 staff. And every single one of those staff, I'm happy to have a cup of tea with or a cup of coffee. Or in fact, I had two of them at my place down the coast for New Year's Eve. And they're quite junior staff from the friends of my daughter. And they were extraordinary. It was one of the great parties of beautiful people. So I think a, a critical thing in success is, do, do you want to spend time with these people? And then what happens is that inspires you as a leader to want to educate them more, give them more support, help them become more successful. Right. Sounds, like the, sounds, like, sounds like the people are so important within your business. We've been talking about recruitment and recruiting on, on values and bringing the team into the recruitment process. So I'm really interested if that process is so important is so important, and sounds like you've got that nailed with the babysitting mm. your, your kids question. How do you ensure that you get that right more than you get it, get it wrong? What's your process of making sure that the people that join your business are aligned to your values? Uh, look, it's not an exact science. And, and I think anyone who sits in front of you and says they get anything right all the time, like I've stuffed up lots of times. The truth is you, you do a lot by your uh, recruitment process. Um, it, one of the, oh, here's a simple skill, simple test I do. Um, I sit in a room with them and ask them to ring 20 of their friends and family and tell them they're getting in real estate and I listen to the call. So if, if you put that into context, if their friends, if they don't know 20 people who aren't excited about them, this is for agents, right? So if I've got a new agent, I say, let's come with me, sit in there, get 20 phone numbers out of your phone, ring them and tell them you've got an opportunity with Brisbane's best real estate and I want to listen to their reaction. And it's an interesting exercise. And almost when we do that exercise, we have a 100% success rate with success of those people. How often do you do that exercise? Um, yeah, interesting, Sam. Just when we're employing people, we don't do it again thereafter. Mm. Yeah, first time. Yeah, and it's a good exercise. Um, I don't do it myself anymore. Eddie and does it. So, um, and I haven't. I probably haven't done it personally for a couple of years. But Eddie and still does it. Yeah, it's really good. We don't do it with experienced agents when we recruit experienced agents, and one of the reasons is they've got a body of work and they've got a reputation in the market. And, um, you know, real estate in Australia, like no doubt in England, is quite a small um, community. Everyone knows, you know, we're all competing against each other. So if someone's a tosser, or uh, to quote your legend over there, a dosser, um, then, then you don't want them in your team. Because if they're a dickhead somewhere else, they're going to be a dickhead in your team. I want to ask you a question about um, experienced agents versus new agents. Uh, they, you know, people who've been doing it a long time do come with a body of work. And actually there's probably, a, um, movement's probably too strong of a word, but it's what it's coming to mind now. There's probably a movement at the moment of uh, people only looking to recruit experienced agents across the UK to help grow their business because they, they don't want those tosses or they don't want to actually go through the rigors of training people up to give them the actual skill that they need just to do the basics really well. What, who would you prefer to recruit? Um, if that is true, Sam, that is, uh, you know, stupid. And for a, for a whole heap of reasons. one, 
um, where you get, it's like investing. You want, you want your growth early and you want to set your standards early. Right. So, and, and I don't understand the size of the businesses of your listeners, but I know if you want to grow your business, all right, um, it's much easier to plant a seed, fertilize it and water it. All right. And put it in the position in the garden you want it to grow as opposed to transplanting something. The proportion of things that get transplanted, survive and thrive is a lot lower than something that you can control from birth. Um, and so I, I actually think the reverse. We try to get people who um, have a good body, you know, they're, they're a trusted advisor in their field, i.e. a hairdresser, a salesperson from the car industry or another industry, travel industry is a great one, where they have a body of trusted people who trust them. And then we bring them into the industry and give them the requisite skills. So to me, uh, that, that would be a, um, a self-fulfilling, destructive behaviour in a business if all they're doing is bringing in experienced agents, particularly when it's not a particularly complex industry. All right. Yeah, cool. I, I happen happen to share share those views. Somebody's somebody's right there. There's this big drive, but actually, you can you can get so much benefit from those inexperienced agents. And um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your career, if it's um, if it's mm -hmm. all right, Martin. Obviously, I think you massively underplayed your business there. You talked about some of the, the numbers, um, and maybe we'll dive deeper about uh, biggest charging agent and what have you. But I want to start go right back to the start of the career. And um, can you talk us through how you got started in real estate? Yeah, I went broke. I built a resort in a, a country town and um, I had a disconnect with ability and effort. And this is something I, I spend a lot of time teaching my guys. You can, it, it's like, in, I, I love talking to English people because I'm an uh, uh, English football fanatic and I'm going to throw this out there, an Arsenal supporter, avid Arsenal supporter. And you, Sorry you see that. these, no, I know it's, it's been tough, but anyway, I can live with it. The, um, there are people who work hard like I did when I had my resort and there's people who know what they're doing. And if, if you're going to put a fiver on it, back the person who knows what they're doing because working hard is not a pre, it's not a precondition for success. It's a prerequisite, but not a precondition. A precondition is knowing what you're doing. And I didn't know what I was doing. I went broke. I had four kids under five, um, had no choice had to come to uh, the big smoke. I was in a little town to try and earn money to support my family. And we had no money. So I started in real estate in a inner city suburb. And in those days, um, we had to get a license. And when the business owner asked me if I had a license after I'd been there for nine weeks, I showed him my um, car license, my driver's license. And I'd already listed about 13 properties for sale. And what we did in those days, and I was a 40-year-old man with four kids under five, um, just walk the streets and I can remember my first listing appointment was I knocked on the person's house and um, I said it was very complex and very highbrow I said do you want to sell your house and he said yeah we're thinking about it I went well I'm the man for the job let's get this shit sorted and I'd been in the industry for exactly four hours <laughs> and I signed it up on a piece of A4 paper and um, did a marketing campaign we did a repaint of the property uh, redid all his um, gardens. I think he ended up spending $32,000 preparing his house for sale and it went to auction. Um, 
after we got the correct paperwork and my boss was going to sack me because all I got him to do was sign a piece of paper committing to me to sell. So from that day, I always understood um, the intent is just as important as the paperwork. From there, I suppose I sold for a couple of years, did all right, um, made some good dough, but couldn't keep it because I had become bankrupt when I had my resort and then had an opportunity to go and work in a small business. And it was there was 87 businesses in Queensland in our group, Harcourts, at that stage. And it was the 87th business. And I went in and they had 11 staff and I arrived on the Monday and on the Friday they had one, which was me. And I'd sacked them all. And then within three years, we were the number one office in Australia of a group of about 250 officers. I'm just big noting myself now. <laughs> Can I? That's that's really interesting. So within a week of joining Harcourt, she'd realised there were some serious problems. So can you talk about that transformation from when you joined to then be becoming the um, most successful agent in, in Brisbane? Yeah. What did you I, What did you implement then? Um, I'll, I'll be a little less humble. That wasn't number one in Brisbane. That was number one in Australia. Um, so it's um, yeah, it was pretty. It was it was very simple. We just did all the things I said at the start. Um, my wife and I went about employing good people. Um, we, I went out and did every listing presentation in the early days. Um, we implemented Harcourts was an extraordinary company with systems and processes. It was, it was the world leader in those days. Now, we are going back almost 20 years. It was the absolute best systems, processes. In those days, we, it was the only real estate company in the world that had a proprietary. Um, uh, what am I talking about, Sam? A, uh, CRM, proprietary CRM uh, integrated with our marketing. Like no one else had it. We had uh, pre-listing kits that took the other companies a decade to catch up to. So we, uh, I was blessed that I arrived with a franchise group that actually had the tools. But most importantly, it was a values-based group. And I'm still with that group to this day. Um, it was values-based and their very first value was people first. Then being courageous then doing the right thing, and then fun and laughter. So when you have an ent- a business that philosophically aligns to people first, fun and laughter, being courageous, doing the right thing, it, it, it's certainly, a, it was a template for success. And since then, uh, my business has added an, a fifth value, which um, is called gratitude. And we just can't believe you cannot be successful unless you're grateful. You know, because if you're not grateful, you'll whatever you do in your life, you'll be disappointed. So we implemented it and we just had a values-based business. We absolutely worked harder than anyone to keep our staff happy. And the other thing I did was I paid my people first and I never sold a property. I never listed in competition to my staff and I worked hard on making all my staff rich. And since that day, uh, and Sam at another time could probably tell you personally about his journey in the business and you know, how he continued to get paid even after he left the business. We, we designed the exit strategy for our guys so the expectations they work through our business and re- can retire. And I, I started that from day one. Philosophically, I, I had this aspiration that people would come through, become better people, would become financially wealthy, um, high focus on good health, mental and physical, that they would become great people. Now, does it work 100% of the time? Um, as I said earlier, of course not. But the strike rate, I think for many years, 
we had the lowest turnover of staff of any office anywhere in Australia. So that's how we grew it. And all the systems and processes, and I can talk real estate until your ears bleed, but real estate is just another sales business. If you want to be really successful in real estate, you've got to be the world's best in the people business. All right, next. I, I, I was going to just follow up on that bit about being world's best in the people business. So many people uh, will have on their business card or above their door of their real estate office in all corners of the world, we're passionate mm. about people, we're passionate about property to the point where mm. it's almost a little bit of a cliche saying that you drop when you're going for a little job interview. Can you walk mm. us through what, and we talked about what does world-class agency look like? And you said, satisfy your customer to an extent where it's economically viable in your attraction business. But let's talk about being world-class people for the next five or six minutes. What does what a world-class one-to-one interaction look like? So I call up somebody from your group and I say, my name's Sam, my wife, Lucy, and I want to sell a house. What does world-class interaction look like from there? Um, they've rung, rung us up. See, yep. I, I would find... I would find that weird um, okay. from, a, from a cultural level that someone would ring us that we aren't on the front foot. So mm. I going, well, okay, the, you'd, you'd wonder why that happened and hopefully it could be your generic marketing. So let's just assume this is some generic marketing and someone in our trade area for some reason um, in the last 15 years hasn't had a communication or hasn't got a relationship with one of my agents. Right? And I would look at, I would hope that would be in single digit percentages. So the interaction would obviously be question based, you know, and you do all those basic questions. And Sam, surely I don't have to do this on this podcast, go through um, basic questions of bog standard salesmanship. You know, why did you call? Like, you, you just, you got to find out everything about that person mm. prior to now. I don't 100% understand your system over there, but I know in our system over here, it, it is a information-based system. The more information you know, um, the better chance you are of winning. So the first thing is to find out what they need. And I think you probably need just to help me through that question a little bit better. Cool. I mean, yeah, it was more, I, I, I think we talk about questioning a lot on this show mm. and what mm. you can ask, how you can ask it, the tonality and everything like that. But mm. it was more just to get an understanding from you that it isn't rocket science, that it's just having a real... Mm basis of understanding so there are no assumption left between you and the other party so when you get there you actually have all the information you need you're there to just get the get a deal done to be as you said the guy on the to the, to the guy on the front doorstep you're the man for the job oh absolutely yeah you, you don't want to be competing and if someone's rung you 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 got to think you're a long way down the track so <laughs> i i think that's the quality of your questions and um the more and also as conversations go on, the more micro knowledge you have, and this is a little bit of a segue, I suppose, into something that I find really important. Um, the more micro information you have, i.e. Um, about your localised area or if you're selling in a big building, in other words, the, the names of the people, how they've sold, why they've sold, why prices have been achieved. Because as you know, um, do you call them CMAs, comparative market analysis over there? What are you, what, what are they? Just property reports. Okay, you do a property report. But a property report is a generic statement on transactions. 
what a real estate agent knows is the motivation of the buyer who bought those properties, the motivation of the seller, the real human reasons, because real estate prices are generated not just by a process, by people's position within that process and the timing. So it, when you become super successful, you know Smith in 42 Newton Parade in Tooting Beck, she sold her house under significant duress and that's why that price and the buyer happened to be able to cash and purchase and settle in 14 or 20 days and that's why that particular price was much lower. So when you are really good at your job, you know that detail. You know the micro-human ways, not just the generic broad numbers. You, you've really actually drilled down into your community, into your area. And I can assure you, if you get to that level of micro-knowledge, your success is inevitable because, one, you become extraordinarily curious. You become extraordinarily passionate. You become extraordinarily knowledgeable. And now all of a sudden, you become extraordinarily valuable. And most importantly, you become trusted. So that, that's the level I would see if you want to be successful in real estate, you need to be. I think I was going to ask you a question to wrap, to wrap up about. Oh, that's quick. Um, going. If, you're, if you're sitting there, yeah. Well, we've, we've, I think it's been a sort of 25 minutes of uh, flowing uh, Q&A. <laughs> Um, the question, and maybe you've answered this, but let's see if we can't get a little bit more out of you uh, before we release mm. you to go and play poker on your Tuesday evening. Um, mm. It's it's pretty close to the New Year's, 18th of January as we're recording this. What's one little piece of advice that you would give to either a new agent getting in the industry? And again, maybe you've given that answer now, but uh, there, there's probably something else there. Or giving to a, a business owner who's perhaps looking to improve their business going into 2022. Mm. It's, it's difficult for anyone to have had a poor year last year. Absolutely. Um, but maybe they want to make it better this year uh, when it might be a little bit tougher. So what's what's sort of the advice that you've got going forward? Well, I would suggest it's advice I've all heard a million times, but there's a reason for that. Listen to all the cliches. Have goals and write them down. Have a fundamental reason why you're doing it. And making money can sometimes be a reason why, and there's nothing wrong with that. Because the easiest way to make money in real estate is be really good at your job. Be really committed to your clients. And now, if you're a business owner, your clients are the people who work for you. So, and I can share this with you as a, as a philosophy, Sam. Um, I try to employ lazy people, of which you are one. All right. And lazy people are the smartest people because they're looking at being able to do more of less better. So that's actually what's going on my tombstone. How can I do more of less better? Now, as a business owner, and I'll talk to the business owners for 30 seconds, what you should be looking is, how can I replicate myself as quickly as possible so I don't have to be here? As you know, Sam, um, how often did you see me in the office? In, well, I know the answer to that, very little. And the reason was I'd trained and imparted so much trust in my staff that I didn't have to work. So that's from there. The other thing, if you're going to be a real estate agent, make it a career and understand your hourly rate. Now, I understand you get paid very differently over there, but you shouldn't. The problem is, if you pay people peanuts, you know how that finishes. You should have an hourly rate. A real estate agent's hourly rate should be the equivalent of a GP, 
Um, do you call them GPs over there? General practitioners? Yeah. Or, or, a, or a base level lawyer? Not a barrister, but a base level lawyer. So your hourly rate, because the job you do is just as important, certainly if you're the full list and sell side. So understanding your hourly rate is critically important and valuing yourself and doing the work to make yourself better. There you go, Sam. Is that an answer? I think that's an answer. Actually, one thing that I'm going to repeat on your behalf to everyone listening to this before we then unpack everything is that if you're going to be a real estate agent, make it a career rather than a job. And I think actually there's more of that uh, or more obviously of that here in Australia, but actually in the UK, there's a lot of people that do still see it as a job. And it is those people that are not uh, perhaps achieving what they can for themselves or their clients um, if they were actually to view it as a bit of a career as well. So Martin, I think uh, on that note, it was a, it was a really wonderful conversation. There's loads that, that we took from it. I don't know if uh, you were distracted by my uh, hands leading forward, but I was sort of trying to take as many notes as I could as we went through that. And I'm really impressed that Mark didn't ask you anything about me along the way as well. So oh, yeah, from, I, forgot. Mark I completely and I... forgot. Come on. Could we wrap with some juicy gossip about Mark, everybody was when he first started? When Sam left the country, he broke my heart because it was always with an intention that he would take over my business. So it absolutely broke my heart. But to see how successful he's become and how wise and his absolute passion to continue to contribute to the industry makes me proud to call him a friend. Thank Thanks, you. guys. All right. Thanks, Thanks, man. See you, guys. I'll Enjoy you your later. poker. We'll see you again soon. Bye now. A massive thank you to Martin Millard from Harcourt Solutions for joining us today. Um, I think Sam might have paid him off, if I'm being perfectly <laughs> honest. But that aside, um, one of the things that I really like there that really came through very, very, very strongly, um, very entertaining character, but his values and the people within his business and the importance of those people came through so strongly from... The first answer right through to the last, you can see how important the people are in this business. And, you know, I thought it was really interesting when he said, listen to the cliches, because the, it, you, you're right. It has become a bit of a cliche in estate agency in this country that, that, that it's a people business. But actually, he demonstrated how it is a people business, how the people are so important. And actually, as a business leader, how the people within your business are your clients, because they yeah. look after your clients. And I think that's Richard Branson that says that as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think the the old Richard Branch, and it, it probably is has gone so far as to becoming a cliche rather than a quote, is that if you look after your staff, they'll look after your customers, and that looks after your business. You know, man's just an embodiment of that. As I sort of said in in that intro, like a lot of the staff, almost everything that I hold as like a, a value or as like a real truth about this industry and how to succeed in it and how just to do things well comes from from him. You know, in the years that I sort of spent just listening and going, okay, if he says do that. I'll do that. If he says jump two feet, go and jump two feet. Um, you know, if we go back to just a few of the things, I would a bit like when when we have these sort of podcasts. I think there's a lot covered, and actually, there's there's a little bit that you can take from almost every single point. We'd urge everybody mm -hmm. listening just to hit rewind and yeah. go back a half an hour and just just listen to it again and see what you can actually take out from that, rather than us just recounting the next, you know, for the next ten minutes, just saying. And then he said this, and then we did that. But you're exactly right. It is a people-based business. A lot of the real estate cliches ring true. Um, to his world-class estate agency, and so you know, if you and it was it was a pretty 
uh, formal answer, and which we then filled in the context around that for the rest yeah. of the conversation. But you know, if you satisfy your customer to an extent where you're making enough money and that you are an attraction business, I think he said something along the lines of your margin is such that you have a fantastic lifestyle and people actually want to use you. Then that that is you know in his mind what world class day actually looks like. For me, the point that I'm going to come back to, and and we spoke about this last week as well, and so it was a really useful segue that actually I didn't think we were going to get an opportunity to tie together. But Martin said at the end, you know, the easiest way to make money in real estate is to be committed to your clients. You know, mm-hmm. and if you're the business owner, your clients are your staff, and if you're yeah. the agent, your clients are your clients. And it's a really simple statement. You know, if you're committed to your clients, you are going to make money, and and you know, having goals around how much money you want to earn is not a dirty thing. That's what we spoke about last week. Yeah. It's nice to reinforce that point from somebody other than you and I, but you've then got to go and do the work about what does committed actually look like? Because anybody can sit in front of somebody or ask them lots of questions on a phone call to gather their information and say, and I'm always committed to my clients, but unless you can define that and what that looks like to you, and that lines up with the values that you hopefully have in your business as well, it's really difficult to actually embody that commitment over time and maybe that makes it a little bit more difficult to ask for that half a percent more that success fees we were talking about performance fees last week as well Mm. you know um i just i just think actually in a year where everyone's kicking off after having very successful year having financial goals rather than listing based goals is probably a nice way of making sure that you are going to achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve whether that's more in terms of income, whether that's more in terms of instructions, whether that's more in terms of holidays, whatever it is, you know, putting those sort of goals around it, having a goal, writing it down, listening to your cliches, but making sure you're committed to your clients and committed to those goals, I think was a really useful point. Yeah, I'm almost kicking myself actually as you as you reminded me that you mentioned about success fees and we didn't actually dive deeper on on that because Mike was very, very kind to give us that time. But um as you said, he was off. He was off to play poker. So, um, did you did you have success fees when you were were at Harcourt? No. So my we were two and a half percent plus GST, so it was two point seven five percent. So the fees have gone up, and then yeah. a performance fee is a really useful fee in a rising market. So we we spoke about last week. Yes. It's gone. Think about how racy the market's been in England, and double that. That's what it is has been here. So really. Right. there's there's no one can price a property accurately so everything's going to auction or everything's going to sort of a best and finals and they're noting that down in the advertisement as it's going on the portals so to put a success fee in place if somebody says oh you know we were hoping to get 800 but if we got 870 we'd be ecstatic well if we can get anything more than 870 we'd get 30 percent of that yeah 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 and i think you know um it's something that would be really interesting to um implementing the businesses over here if anyone is doing you know let us know um, and we can get on and discuss that in more detail just want to finally um just talk about a couple of the things really really quickly um he talked about the importance of systems and processes about his business growth mm. um initially it's something that we've talked about on on this show in in the past but i also thought his point about experienced versus inexperienced agents a seed versus transporting a plant was a really interesting point um and i think it you know it 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 is really important to consider if you are looking at recruiting this year. Yeah. And lovely analogy. Sometimes yeah. you just get such a perfect analogy that it does make a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah. You might have to water a little bit more, but you're going to get the plant you want in the spot you want uh, eventually. Whereas you, you know, pull a palm tree out of one place, to try and plant in the other. Is it going to take to that soil? Is it going to work? 
are you going to have too much shade or not enough shade? Is it the right palm tree that you want to just like the way it looked in that position in the house that it was in before? Probably ruin the analogy now, but it does make a lot of sense. And actually, <laughs> I'm always really surprised when we talk to agents over here and like we get asked, question we ask at the end of every conversation is who's one of the agents you know that might want to use home search? And it works really well for us in opening doors because like-minded agents know like-minded agents. Mm -hmm. But a question we often get asked back is who are any experienced agents that you guys know? Cause we really need to expand our team because things are going really well. Mm. And actually I've said this, I think on this show plenty of times and I'll say it to anyone who listen, I, I still believe the best people to make the best real estate agents are primary school teachers because they don't take any crap from little kids. Uh, they understand how to clean up a mess if there is one. And they've got to give people probably news they don't want to hear every so often in the parents and their kids were misbehaving or whatever it is. Not every kid's an A student. So they have this incredible level of empathy and they're able to communicate with almost everybody. And if we go back to the cliches being true, being passionate about people, Martin said something about um, working hard is not a guarantee of success, but knowing knowing your stuff is, you know, sorry, it was, it was um, knowing what you're doing is, is a precondition of success, but working hard isn't. And we've all been in that trap of just working our asses of yeah. hoping something will come off. When actually, if you just took a step back, again, cliche, look where the success is elsewhere because it leaves clues and start implementing that consistently, slowly, if that's an easier word for you to take on board, but consistently, you're going to see stuff happen over time. And it, and it is the case. Like, like go and look, and he said, look for people trusted in their field. I think that's just a really magnificent way of thinking about it. Who do you know that's trusted in whatever they do? Because they'll be able to apply that. They've got that trust for a reason. They've built relationships. It doesn't matter if it's cutting hair or teaching kids or selling cars or whatever it might be, but they've built that level of trust. They can do that again in a higher price game and they can set themselves some, you know, bigger, write down some bigger financial goals to try and hit those along the way as well. Yeah, so much, so much value. Um, so a massive thank you once again to Martin for for joining us. Um, he's very passionate about his industry. As you know, we do this because we're very passionate and we want to see our industry grow and improve. If you do like what we do here, please like it and share it um, with friends and colleagues alike. I'm Mark Worrell. He's Sam Hunter. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you again next week. <laughs>